Hey, this is David Greenwald. And I'm Dom Sinicola. And this is Pretty Little Grown Men. So this is actually Pretty Little Grown Men, the Podfectionists. The Podfectionists, colon the Podfectionists. Uh, we took a long break from podcasting. If you are one of our original subscribers still on the speed, thank you. Surprise. We're back. Uh, we're back with, uh, I guess, season two of Pretty Little Grown Men. Yeah, I think this is going to be season two of our podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, we have to, I was looking at iTunes and trying to figure out if we should like rebrand or what this should be. And it seems like uh we can do some weird funky new apple music or apple podcast technology and say this is season two of our podcast <laughs> uh so we're gonna do that and if you're new to this podcast welcome um we did each a season whole... typically consists of about 65 episodes yeah, about five million episodes <laughs> uh we did a whole long podcast recapping pretty little liars and trying to be uh very critical and serious about it as both of us are professional uh, culture critics or, or we were, I'm not doing that anymore, unfortunately. Um, I still am. Dom still is. Yes. So we have one actual, <laughs> Nothing changes with me. We have one actual, <laughs> uh, critic on this show and then there's, me Oh, you're a real critic doing today. my thing. But I think we're going to take that same approach to pretty little liars. The perfectionists. I felt, I felt all of the old urges coming back as I watched as this watching the show. Yes. There were so I many. I was like Goku. It was, the power was surging through me. Oh man. Yeah. There were it so felt many. Good. Uh, it there felt were, really good. There were so many wonderful PLL touches in this episode while opening up so many new possibilities. So I'm excited to podcast about it. Uh, I'm excited that now that we have new microphones, you can hear me heavily breathe into the microphone. <laughs> we, I apologize in advance. We had some uh, $12 microphones that we bought on the recommendation of the uh, serious podcaster, Marco Arment, and they turned out to be like wired really poorly and sounded bad and created all these problems. <laughs> so we bought uh, Sure SM58s, like actual professionals, mm -hmm. and now we sound pretty good, hopefully. You can all tell. Obviously. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, okay. We have this new show to recap and there's a lot going on. And oh, Dom, man. where do you, where do you want to get started? Should we talk about the, the, the special thing that we got to do? Uh, I think, I think we should. Um, Dave and I, uh, through our previous podcast exploits, uh, got to know uh, one uh, Norm Buckley. And hi, Norm. I uh, hope you're listening to this. And because the Perfectionists now films in Portland, Oregon, which is where we live, uh, we got to go to the set and visit while they were uh, filming part of, I think it was episode nine, I believe. Yeah, it was toward the end of the season, and we were, we can't give any spoilers. And, you know, we did not, this is interesting because both of us being journalists, usually when you would do like a set visit or a, 
red carpet or whatever, we would come in with a lot of interview questions and be prepared to write like kind of a feature story kind of situation. Right. And this was not that we were just going as, uh, fans, as, as fans, as really? like, as friends of, of Norman, who was generous enough to have us on. And, uh, it was really nice to go and just absorb and have a good mm-hmm. time and not be thinking about writing about it. But of course we are going to tell you all a little bit about what we saw uh, I, I think we can just say some things maybe about, about the set and about the, the, some of the actors. Yeah, that we saw. I think so. I mean, I think that, um, so you all, you all watched the pilot, uh, directed by, um, I looked this up, directed by Elizabeth Rosenbaum. Yes. Uh, Elizabeth Allen Rosenbaum, who, uh, has like many of the directors on Pretty Little Liars, including Norman has directed a lot of, uh, similar TV, similar, very good TV, such as Gossip Girl. Uh, Elizabeth Rosenbaum also directed, um, some of you might know the movie Aquamarine about the mermaid also starring Emma Roberts and Jojo. Oh, I missed that one. <laughs> that might be like 2006 maybe. Uh, and she directed uh, the uh, the feature film Ramona and Beezus based on the Beverly Clearly, Cleary novels, uh, characters, I guess. Right. Um, I thought she did a, this was a very stylish and sure of itself pilot. I think in part because it's so much of the team and the crew from Pretty Little Liars. I think that's like, I mean... A good place to start, I think, is to uh, uh, talk about how one thing that for me uh, rang very clearly and I think positively was that um, the show, uh, you mentioned this, Dave, the show assumes that you've seen everything up to this point, that you don't need a refresher on what's going on. Right. There's no introduction of Allie and Mona's characters. There's no flashbacks. There's no previously on pretty little liars it's just you know what this is you're here for it you've mm-hmm. watched hundreds of hours of pretty little liars <laughs> and you're ready to go yeah you want to know what was going on with emerson you want to know how it ended up um mona makes a really excuse me i'm i'm drinking beer we can do <laughs> fake beer sponsors later. yeah if you're new to the show we don't have real sponsors at the moment that may change we'll see uh, but we do fake beer sponsors. And what are you drinking tonight, Tom? Oh, uh, I'm drinking a. Uh, should we should we pause for the theme song that film? Do you still have that? Do we? Yeah, we have a beer theme song. Hang on, let me grab that. Beer jingle. Thank you to Phil Nelson, who also wrote our theme song, which uh, coincidentally uh, we can still use because the theme song of The Perfectionists is a also a remix of yes. the Pretty Little Liars theme song. That's nice. I appreciate not having to uh, beg our friend Phil to make a new theme song for us. Yeah. <laughs> when he is uh, not interested whatsoever in this TV show. And God bless him. Um, today I am drinking... A Starburst IPA from Ecliptic Brewing. Uh, I think now that uh, we are uh, fully behind a show that is filmed on location in Portland, Oregon, we might as well uh, support Portland beers. And Ecliptic is a very good brewery. Um, they have a, 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 a popular thing that I like a lot in Portland um, is cost-conscious uh, microbrews. And Ecliptic is one of them. Their Star Wars IPAs are often... You often find them on sale. I found this on sale at a Trader Joe's. 
That's amazing. The the writer Anne Helen Peterson was talking on Twitter the other day about how she went to, I guess, a bar or a restaurant in Brooklyn, and the beer was fourteen dollars. And I was like, you know, when I moved to Portland, that is ridiculous. Uh, like five and a half years ago, like beers were like five dollars, mm-hmm. and now they're maybe six or seven, but still half price. Honestly, if I see a beer that's six dollars. I'm I'm like this. This feels too expensive. <laughs> well, you you lived here a lot longer than I have. <laughs> I'm still thinking. Oh, it's not eight. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, uh, so hopefully we'll have more uh, Portland beers on this podcast, and maybe one day we'll actually get uh, some free beer out of this. Uh, yeah, tell your friends to subscribe and share and fave. Just and go go on iTunes and give us five stars, and then uh, t- uh, talk about how we should get a beer sponsor. Or in fact, go on Twitter and tell your favorite beer to sponsor us. And if you don't drink beer, then just I don't know, tell a beer that you like. That we'll, we'll tell you. Tell tell Ecliptic, E C L I P T I C Ecliptic Brewing in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Tell them to sponsor us. Yes, please. Uh, but you know, we usually save the the begging for for faves and shares until the end of the podcast. No, it's so a new season, Dave. We're we, begging up yeah, front. We're going to do no it up shame. Front. Uh, no shame. Nineteen. I do expect more drinking on the show in this season because it is a show about college, and it's not about high schoolers or well, I guess at the end of Pretty Little Liars, they're also you know we had the time jump and we moved forward mm-hmm. and. You know, of course, Caleb goes through his period of heavy drinking. I, I love how primarily the major difference between high school and college uh, in the in the world of Pretty Little Liars is um, sex, is boning. There is a lot of sex in this episode. Yeah, um, it's great. I, I love it, and I'm and I and I I want all the characters to 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 be free with their bodies. But uh, it does seem like that is the like the main difference <laughs> like once you go to college you're still as rich as you ever were and you still dress up just as much as you did when you went to high school but now you can bone openly and talk about it well it's more of a it's interesting because it seems like more of a little bit of a gossip girl vibe because you have all these rich kids uh it's a little bit more glamorous than rosewood and pretty little liars where you know people's parents are, are teachers or mm-hmm. you know have these sort of you know very uh grounded middle class jobs and here it's like this is like a fancy school it seems like a private school kind of vibe um everyone like one of the characters her parents are like on the lam for embezzling money you know it's the kind of place where uh you have a lot of uh, spoiled rich kids and actually something i was struck by with the Ava character is that she is like a YouTuber and she's making her videos and building her brand. And it just made me think about the recent scandal with, uh, aunt Becky's daughter getting scammed <laughs> into you the YouTuber, uh, who I didn't realize this, but she is the makeup tutorial artist who is in the movie eighth, eighth grade. grade. Yeah. Uh-huh. And here she is being like a scam, a scammer at USC, Where like ditching class or whatever. Basically, Aunt Becky paid millions of dollars to get her into school, all that also that she can get like Instagram uh, sponsorships, right? To get Amazon Instagram <laughs> sponsorships of taking pictures of her dorm. Incredible, <laughs> incredible. Anyway, we'll we'll see if that plays out. If that, uh, you know, PLL, the perfectionist is not um, 
Law and Order SVU. So mm-hmm. I don't expect we will have an episode like that. But I just thought that was kind of this is going to be a show about um, liars and rich parents and their expectations and all that kind of stuff. And it, it just made me laugh to have uh, have this character, this troubled character with a with scammer parents be a YouTuber. Um, uh, one thing that I've that I've realized in watching uh, this episode is that um, I think, you know, so essentially the show is uh, just like Pretty Little Liars about uh, very rich people. Or uh, about sort of this um, this mythical cinematic, or not even cinematic, but I guess serialized television idea of a person who never has to worry about money. Like their concerns are so separated from money. Um, I mean, maybe the character of Dylan, who is the music genius, and also the, the, he's the Spencer of the TV show because he's like writes the papers for everybody, which becomes a scandal that right. initiates Allison into uh, the whole plot. But he, he does mention that he's from a small town. He doesn't say like, I, I grew up blue collar. Right. But poor. he's on a, we know he's on a music scholarship. Yes. He's from a small town. This is his way. So he has a lot of desperation and motive to do well at this college and stay there and not get kicked out for plagiarism which is a position he gets put in in this episode. Um, and we can talk about that in a second. But uh, one thing that I think is interesting w- worth talking about is an idea that has... Uh, and and uh, Dave and I were very excited to see many themes that we talked about throughout our 60-plus episodes uh, wrought literally on the screen in this new series, which is great. But something that I don't think that we've ever really touched on too much is this idea that... Like, that uh, Privilege and money is tied specifically to ideas of maturity, where um, if you're if you're like if you're rich and therefore you can afford uh, both the luxury of dressing up and the clothes that allow you to look adult, I guess, then somehow you are granted an uh, an adult world, I guess, where it's like these kids live in like luxury apartment condos. Uh, they are always perfectly quaffed. Uh, money is not an issue. It's not a. It's not a point of stress in their life. Right. No one is running around in their college hoodie, hanging out in their dorm with their roommate. Right. And there's there's this there's really I think there's really indist- maybe maybe this isn't I mean this isn't obviously uh, strictly the the realm of Pretty Little Liars by any means. I mean you can look at Gossip Girl or any teen college aged show well drama I, show. I brought i thought of gossip girl right away because uh of the actress kelly rutherford mm-hmm. who plays uh claire hotchkiss yeah. hotchkiss in this episode and seems to be the matriarch of the college uh who has her own secrets and icy personality and um an interesting we, we got to see her do a scene. I, I'm, again, no spoilers, but we got to see her do a scene on our set visit. And having been a Gossip Girl fan, you know, of course, was a fan of her work. And just seeing her do this, like, five-second shot mm-hmm. where she, you know, commands the scene and she stares somebody down, uh, it was just like, wow, you were you, this is like what acting is. This is like what talent is. Just the ability <clears throat> to command that feeling oh, yeah. and have that gravity. So I'm excited to see her on this show and, uh, it'll be, I, I agree. I think the issues of 
class and privilege are going to play out in the show and we're, we're super apparent in this episode. And, and I mean, I also think that we're probably, uh, even considering uh, the past year and a half that we haven't been podcasting, uh, we are very specifically attuned to these issues because they're so prominent in our everyday lives, in the political uh, landscape. Uh, but I am really uh, intrigued by this, this, these, <laughs> it's okay, crack it open. I just opened a fizzy water. I don't know if that's going to show up in the podcast. Um, Key lime. Uh, but I, like, I am in, very much intrigued by how the show, because th- one of the many themes that we talked about in Pretty Little Liars is the idea of the surveillance state and how like everyone's watching or can watch all the time, you know, right. whether it's, th- you know, explicitly through a mirror as it is here, or whether it's just someone talking too loudly through an open window. Uh, but I think that like the idea that like we're talking, we're, we're talking about a world where people are so powerful and they have so much money that they can literally watch everyone at all times and how, and I, and I'm really curious how the show is going to approach that because I do think that like, obviously that means we're assuming you've watched this episode spoilers. Like, you know, when it's revealed that, uh, Taylor Hotchkiss is alive and that she's some supercomputer hacker genius who has been uh, like what hacked into the this like Beacon Heights uh, security? Um, uh, I don't know infrastructure that has been set up. Right here, I have the name in my notes of the uh, the secret Beacon the Guard. Beacon, Beacon Guard, yes, yeah. exactly. So the whole the, the whole premise of this new show, which is fucking crazy, is that there is this elite college in in Portland, Oregon, or in the immediate uh, Portland uh, metro area that uh, has, that Mona has winnowed down bureaucratically so that it only selects the most elite people in the friggin' world, apparently. Uh, And it does so and maintains that power through some sort of, like, ultra-high-tech surveillance state that is focused on this tiny, tiny liberal arts private college. Right. And, and some only watching, only surveilling per Taylor, who again is supposed to be dead and we'll get more into that. But per Taylor, they're only watching uh, this select group of people who are right. at this college of, you know, presumably several thousand people. Right. Right. And what, and what, a, what a, what a fascinating way to look at class and power and privilege and money and I hope that the show continues down that path. Well, it's the the big reveal at the end where you see Mona talking to the mirror and you're wondering, is she talking to herself? Is she having a mental break? What is going on here? And it turns out she is talking to like someone in a bunker, basically, mm-hmm. looking at this giant 20-foot wall of screens. Freaking minority report up and, here. Yeah, and it escalates so much from the surveillance moments of Pretty Little Liars where you had the NAT club walking around with their home video cameras, mm-hmm. right? And getting into later episodes where you had uh, 
Ezra putting cameras around town and these very like DIY, uh, you know, psycho killer kind of surveillance systems, right? right? Not something that was coming from an organization, not something on the level of like, the you know like an X Files kind of plot line. It's mm-hmm. not the government. Yeah. It's not some some weird criminal syndicate. You know, it's just some like fucking guy, right? right? Swear words. Sorry, this is an R rated podcast. <laughs> I think there's a little marker. We already on got iTunes. the little E. Might have to drop some f bombs. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. I mean, it's like this huge. I love that you tied that into the issues of money and power and privilege because, like, clearly this is the show is trying to show us the surveillance. Uh, and the technology behind that on like a way more dramatic level than on Pretty Little Liars. Mm-hmm. And I think that tells us about the ideas of the show and what kind of show we're watching because, you know, Pretty Little Liars kind of bounced around in terms of genre, but ultimately to me, it felt like a slasher show, right? Mm-hmm. And like a teen soap opera and so on, but with the sort of tropes of a slasher movie and a horror movie and um, things like that. Things like Psycho, of course, which is a major touchstone for the yeah. show. These older classic things. But this show felt way more like The X-Files or way more like, you know, drone bombs or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like the the level of money and technology involved immediately removes it from the idea of like the lone killer and makes it something way more, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's different. And I don't know what the show will do with it and how it will address the, the um, horror movie vibes, which it still is going through with this episode, Mm. you know, very much showing us a lot of classic PLL kind of shots of like a car in the woods or like a message, a hidden message, like under a wallpaper and stuff like that. So how is the show going to reconcile that stuff with like being an X-Files episode? Um, Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I think that shooting in the Pacific Northwest is definitely helping that vibe. Although we did discover that this pilot episode was more on location than uh, future episodes. Um, uh, but I, uh, as, as Hillary, uh, your wife mentioned, uh, the, the death of Nolan is uh, very much referencing uh, a, Hitchcock, a Hitchcock movie. Um, and... Uh, when we talked to Norman about his his influences, which we've talked about at numerous points in, in our conversations with him, uh, I think he keeps returning to Hitchcock, obviously, also Bergman, uh, which we'll probably see more of uh, with his episodes that he directed, which is at the end of the season. Um, but I do, but I do think that like you know maybe what what the perfectionists. Uh, is allowed because it's building on the backs of the success of Pretty Little Liars is it can be much more explicit with what it's trying to do um, because it has that audience. So it can be a very explicit like adult thriller or it can be, it doesn't have to uh, couch its, its genre illusions behind teen soap. Right, that's true. Um, which is great. Because this is obviously a much more adult show than uh, Pretty Little Liars was in the beginning. Right, that's true. Um, well, let's let's step uh, let's step back just a little bit and give just a little more sense of the scope of the show. Um, I do want to say one thing though. Yes, Dave. please. Two moms don't make it right. <laughs> yeah, some of the dialogue in this episode uh, was already. There were some moments in this episode where I was cackling 
and laughing at some of the sort of scare moments, like when Allison jumps on Mona's car. Like that to me is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Like I, but I don't know. I'm like a, I've become a horror movie aficionado and mm. I don't watch them to be scared. I watch them to sort of be surprised. And mm-hmm. so it's, it, it's like a, a humor reaction to me when something like that happens because oh, yeah. it's a little ridiculous. Right. Uh, but you know. can I, so can I add something? This Please. is totally unrelated. But Please. We're going to be here for like four more hours. It's so related to what you ahead. just said. Uh, I uh, saw a screening of uh, Jordan Peele's new movie last night, uh, Us. Us. And it is scarier than Get Out, but it is also ten times funnier than Get Out. Oh, it okay. is a really, it's a really funny movie. Um, and it goes uh, to some absurd places. And you know who knows. By the time you listen to this, you might—it's already been in theaters. But um, it goes to some pretty absurd places, but it never denies that absurdity. And I think that that's what's so great about this new crop of of genre movies that are being embraced by audiences. Whether it's like these, whether it's like a Jordan Peele movie or like Thor Ragnarok, where it's like we're admitting that these situations are absurd, totally absurd. So why can't that be funny? Why can't it be funny and also scary and also surprising? And I really love that we're no longer trying to take our popular culture and shove it into a specific uh, like reactionary spectrum. That it's just it's valid to laugh at something as hard as you are to be like startled by it or 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 scared or disturbed by it. Right. And I feel like this episode walked that line really nicely. Mm-hmm. I mean, from this from the shot early in the show where Mona scares Allie and she's like, I brought pie. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's like hilarious. Yeah. Because you're like, what the hell is going on? Mona's holding a knife. Like, it seems very And Allie, Allie hasn't seen Mo- Allie literally has not seen Mona in in a few years, uh, apparently, I think. Well, I think just to, you know, we like to talk about the timelines and the, the specific <laughs> details of the show. And, you know, Norman is always telling us, you know, it's dream logic. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, the, the emotions are what lead uh, Pretty Little Liars and, and on this show as well, I'm sure. But that said, mm-hmm. OK, so we know we see Allie in the car. She's driving out to this university. She has a picture of her kids on her phone. They don't look very old. So the gap between they're like toddlers now. The gap between the yeah. end of Pretty Little Liars and the beginning of this, it's not ten years. Mm-mm. I mean that it's like two years. Yeah. Unless Allie is, you know, it's it seems like, like two she's. Years. It seems like she's just left her kids who are toddlers. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. we're we're still not super far removed from the events of PLL. Right. Which means we found out at the end of PLL that Mona murdered Allie's sister, which is something that does not come up in this episode at all. As soon as Allie and Mona start doing scenes together and Allie's feeling suspicious about it, and rightfully so, I was just sitting there thinking, you know, this is, I would be getting out of here immediately because this person's literally a murderer who murdered your sister. This person who murdered my sister is now dragging me into another like murder mystery situation. Like, fuck this. Go home. Right. And I can't even remember if Allie 
is even aware of that, if that sort of connection was made. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, we're just going to roll with it because it's a new show and I think we should have open hearts and be generous. And uh, one thing that's nice about this... Open eyes, open hearts. it's, It's continuing the PLL story, but it's sort of giving us an excuse to say, okay, well, let's not worry too much about the previous canon, which, you know, we did dozens of episodes really inspecting carefully and trying to hold to account. Uh, you think you'd remember we're, more. We're, we're not going to be, we're not, yeah, <laughs> you would think, but I, you know, obviously we're not going to be able to, I don't think it's a good idea for us to do that on this show. We need to just absorb it. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think that we're going to do that, uh, despite our, our our biggest efforts. Well, I mean, as the show builds its own internal right. logic, right. we're going to say, but what about this? But what about this? And, you know, three seasons will go by and we'll never know. That's fine. That's, I, I know now. I'm ready. I mean, this is what it's like to be a, a fan of Pretty Little Liars. It's basically like you have to take the knowledge that you have in order to move forward. But then if something contradicts it, you have to also continue moving forward and and just accept the contradiction for what it is. Um, well, and the, the total intriguing Easter egg that Mona drops in the beginning where she says, yeah, I was in Paris and the things I was doing escaped me yeah. like literally Spencer's twin and, and Mary Drake and Mary Drake are now like, free. <laughs> yeah. Peaced out and are out doing whatever, which is amazing. That makes me want to keep watching the show because who knows what's going to happen. Alrighty, I'm going to go call some chaos. I mean, it just opens so many possibilities for a future Spencer slash Spencer's British twin appearance. Oh my god! Bring it. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, the, so I think that our 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 uh, the detailed sensor in our, sensors in our brains are going to get tickled pretty hard uh, throughout these next well next nine episodes, ten episode season. Um, but uh, one thing that I really want to to talk about um, is uh what i brought up about how this feels like the new star wars episodes or the new star wars movies where you know the force awakens um is essentially a new hope but updated right and uh the last jedi is is follows the same basic sort of idea structure dramatic pattern of the empire strikes back right and these movies are they like they 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 rhyme with their predecessors and it feels like um this is doing the same thing where and i and i mean like i'm and maybe it's just i've just watched too much uh tv but like i i felt like i was calling things as they're happening because it it is a an update of the pre of pretty little liars where you have a a rich person, uh, a rich uh, uh, magnetic person who has a ton of secrets, who is the center of this group of friends who wouldn't have found each other were it not for this person. And then this person is essentially dies. Well, except we see his body. So it's going to be hard to pull off anything otherwise. But so I, I think that we're going to see that these three characters are going to become very close friends because they're drawn together by the trauma of losing the, 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 the focus of their whole lives. On top of which, just like the Pretty Little Liars, they each have motive for wanting that person out of their lives. Right, right. So it's sort of, 
I mean, almost in the way that The Last Jedi is sort of a meta commentary on mm-hmm. uh, Empire Strikes Back. And, <clears throat> excuse me, man, I could we could honestly do like a whole two-hour episode about The Last Jedi, which we did not do, but I've been thinking about that movie ever since it came out. That I movie think, is so good. I oh love that God, movie. Oh, my God. I think it's, it's so brilliant and thoughtful in a way that almost no movie is mm-hmm. as far as how it wants to portray the star Wars universe and comment on it. And anyway, I could go on. Well, no movie to, to add to that. I think it's valid to say that because no movie has to shoulder the weight that it does. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, moving on. But yeah, in terms of this, in terms of this show, you have Allie running into basically the specter of this dead girl, right? Mm-hmm of Taylor Hotchkiss. She arrives at the school. She's a new teacher. She's taking the place of this uh, girl who purportedly killed herself. She arrives at the school impeccably dressed, looking very well rested. And she just flew across the fucking country. Yeah. From her, from her toddler twins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> suspend your, suspend your, your disbelief. Uh, Dream logic, Dom. Yes. It's uh, fine. There's no, there's no parenting in pretty little liars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no diapers. Driving across the beautiful St. John's Bridge. But so you have this echo of um, this mysterious death of this blonde girl, mm-hmm. right? At, and at the same time, like you're saying, you have this other death of Nolan, who we see running around in this episode, and he dies at the end. And he is the alley character mm-hmm. where he is. So you have the brother and the sister. So, yeah, it's it's set up in a really interesting uh, Funhouse Mirror version of the PLL debut, and so I, what I really like about the show so far is that it brings in these two familiar characters, Mona and Ali, who we like a lot from the show and didn't see as much of. They're not the main characters of the show, right? And so now they get to be sort of their own weird version of main characters in line with this new younger cast. But we get to see these Pretty Little Liars characters brought in interacting in a very PLLE world that has all these new mysteries and new adventures. And if you were going to keep the show going, I mean, it's essentially like a reboot, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's like, uh, it's like Indiana Jones four or whatever, where you bring back Indy and you bring in these new characters who are supposed to, you know, Shia LaBeouf is supposed to bring the franchise to the next level, oh my God. Uh, which, which did not work out for Indiana Re- Jones. Reach through the screen and kick that hat off his fucking head. But, uh, I think this is going to be a much better attempt at moving the show forward with stuff that we like while mm-hmm. also coming up with lots of new intriguing ideas and, and furthering the themes of the show, of the original show. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think the two characters that were sort of given short shrift in this episode were uh, Mona and uh, Caitlin. I agree. Played by Cindy Park. Uh I'm still not still not sure what kind of person Caitlin is. I mean, we're introduced to all of these new characters through their perfectionism. The cold open is basically just like a a montage. Uh, I think I think Mona was the voiceover, maybe. Um, basically, just saying like, "Get ready, we're we're back to our old shit. Let's do this." Right, and there's that great we're, line. We're back, baby. I mean, talking about like the humor in it. The the uh, checking my notes here. There's that line in the opening voiceover where where she says, someone is about to snap and kill. And it's like, <laughs> is this an episode of The Shadow? Is it 1950 in this, in this TV show? So I, I don't know. The show's 
the influences at play in conjunction with like what's supposed to be like a sexy show for horny teenagers, you know, is it, it's great. I don't know. I'm very, I'm very now it's intrigued. a sexy show for horny 20 year olds because right. we've all grown up together and we've all gotten horny together. Uh, so, um, we're introduced to the uh, new characters, which I guess we can run through these new characters pretty quickly. Uh, there's the aforementioned uh, Caitlin, who is uh, I don't think we know what she does. She's in, we're, we we first meet her as she's running three point one four miles, right? Pie, <laughs> and then we also meet Ava, who is an artist and a and fashion YouTuber. designer, a YouTuber, and then we meet Dylan, who is a uh, world-class cello player and all-around uh, smart guy. Right. He is the guy who, when you need someone to write an essay for you, <laughs> he's going to stay up all night and, and crank it out. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, it's it's you know it's implied that he doesn't want to do it, but um, he's kind of a pushover, which I'm sure will become a, uh, a dramatic uh, part of his personality as, right. as, as, as the show goes on. We meet, um, uh, what's his name? Hotchkiss, uh, the main, the, uh, Nolan, Nolan. Hotchkiss, yes, uh, who dies at the end. Um, he gets, gets spiked, which of course, um, as each of the, I guess we're going to call them perfectionists, right? Is we, each of the, as each we of the, are the perfectionists, as each of, is each of the perfectionists, um, uh, make it through their first couple days here in this new semester at uh, Beacon Heights College um, or Beacon Heights University. I'm sorry, yeah, BHU. It's, it's a university, Dom. <laughs> uh, it that they uh, each have a reason to want um, Nolan dead to the point that they gather in the woods uh, in a place that Nolan has brought them before, which obviously means that it's outside of the uh, surveillance that's going on. Right because he's fully aware of where he will be surveilled. Um, they discuss ways that he could die uh, because they each have reasons to want him dead. Uh, that that whole scene to me was a little bit... That was a wild scene because you have this whole setup where the show is telling you in the opening voiceover, yeah, somebody's going to go do a murder and they all over the course of the episode are... Uh, they turn on Nolan. And so they're all yeah. brought together and they're like, what if we did murder? Murder seems like a chill thing to do. Wouldn't it be really and funny not, if we like, pushed really... him off a building and so he got spiked on the fence, all virgin suicides? They're not really joking about it. It's They're like, yeah, it's we, we're joking about this thing right now. And it's like, you're not joking. There's no humor in this conversation. Well, that's why, like, I mean, I don't It's kind of a wild sequence. It is. I don't think that it's necessarily uh, something worth patting uh, myself or ourselves on the back for calling this because it's like when we when we saw Nolan, we're like, this dude's going to fucking die. And then when they're in the woods discussing how he's going to die and they mention the situation uh, that he is going to fall off a, a roof and get spiked, I'm like, that that's how he's going to die. And Boom. then he fucking dies Nailed that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and is that just the show, you know, being a little... I think the show is trying to enjoy itself maybe mm -hmm. more than PLL did because PLL was a dark show. Yeah. It's a show about trauma. I mean, it's a show about a, a teenage girl getting murdered initially. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a horror movie essentially. Whereas this show is not that, 
it seems like it's having a lot more while still doing the scary thing. It's still, it's a, uh, seems like it's having a lot more fun with itself and it's a little more self-aware and it acknowledges like you've seen this before, right? You're a little bit older. We're not going to surprise you, right? but here's what we're going to do now. And, and two benefits to that. One, the, the, the show feels so tight in a good way. I mean, it's a weird word to use, but it, it feels like it's made by people who know exactly what they're doing, right. which which I say is just like it, it knows exactly what it wants to be, and it is that in a very precise, efficient, well-oiled manner that I appreciate in like good, solid TV dramatic writing, where it's just like there is no fat in this TV show. I hope you know, like I hope that all these pieces. I feel like now that like they now that they have a better idea that like of of the scope of the TV show and how many seasons they can probably get out of it and all this stuff they probably have a better plan than Pretty Little Liars ever was. Perhaps. I mean, I'm going to assume so, but it felt that way. It felt well-oiled. Like it felt like we went into this planning out 20 episodes. Right, absolutely. You know? It definitely it was the art direction was there, you know, just the, the feeling of the show. Well, that's kind of what, that's what Norman told us. He's like, this is like Pretty Little Liars, only the budget is so much bigger than it was before. Yeah, it definitely, you could, it felt a lot less setty, you yeah. know, especially all the scenes in the woods. There were several, these classic PLL scenes where a character goes off into the woods and goes to a mystery cabin and just the uh, being on location you know, you're shooting out in the these beautiful Pacific Northwest woods mm-hmm. as opposed to a back lot. Yeah. You know, and so it felt great. It's really visually engaging. Everyone should shoot in the Pacific Northwest. It's beautiful out here. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was it is so much easier to accept a rich white dude getting murdered than it is a high school teenage girl, you know. But the <laughs> twist, the twist is that he comes off as being, you know, this privileged asshole. But he's actually like a but nice. But it he's turns to, out yeah. it's he's just trying to trying to be a hero. He's got a great relationship with his sister. His sister. Uh, yeah. Um, but so I there's, mean, there's a lot going on in this episode, and I don't even really want to sort of go scene for scene because it's there's too much to cover, and I think you, I almost want to sit down and watch the episode again because there were just so many puzzle pieces that were put out saying we're going to deal with this later. And of course, some of those things will be things that we know will run through this season and then disappear, never to be seen again, you know? <laughs> so I almost just want to like, let the show wash over me. And, but I, I think the thing that I took away from it um, was less the perfectionists who were getting to know, but more about like, what is Allie's deal here? Why does she want to stay in the situation that is like so clearly bad? Right. And I think it's because as she as she vocalizes, she really thinks she can help these kids and she wants to be a redemptive figure. And we're not so far removed from the events of PLL where she was not at all. Right. And I guess she wants to redeem herself in the eyes of Emily who's not in the show and somehow she's going to do it by flying across the country and being away from her kids. And I don't, you know, the logic behind that doesn't make sense either, but well, actually, or what do you think about that? I think that, I mean, I'd say that either you're right and it doesn't make any sense or she believes that she is, she cannot be redeemed, but that the best thing that she can do with the experiences that she had is to help 
I mean, it's it's weird because it's like you go across the country assuming that you're going to fall into some sort of murder mystery and help kids out of that. Like, no, obviously not. But there's, I think that what's being implied is that uh, the reason that uh, things didn't, I mean, it doesn't sound, like she phrases it in such a way that it's like not over, but it's obviously over. So it's just like she she can't be with Emily because she says like Emily can't let go of the past or something like that, but it's probably more that like Allison can't stop being Allison. Right. And so, you know, she's, I think that what, that what we're seeing with Allison is that she's an essentially a good person who cares about people, but she can't escape. She's like tight. She's, I mean, we talked a lot about cycles of trauma and, uh, and on PLL and maybe like, this is another idea of that where, She's she's been so traumatized that she can't escape the cycles of um, of reliving that trauma, even if it's like not directly affecting her. And so like she can't she can't help but be part of situations like that. She's a traumatized person. And so she's going to keep reliving that trauma, uh, whether she likes it or not. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. And so that I mean, the show becomes from that perspective, it almost becomes Allie's nightmare. Yeah. You know, it's almost like if you were Allie and you were trying to, if you, if you were having a nightmare about starting your life again, right. You would be in this dream where you run into Mona. Right. And you run into these kids who are who are like talking about doing murders or whatever. And it's like, it almost already plays out like Allison's dream or Allison's nightmare. And, that is sort of going to be, you know, maybe we're just talking, but that knowing the way that the show creators like to have the dream logic, you know, that's going to be an interesting way to sort of approach the show. And with Allie as the sort of character trying to figure out what's going on, mm-hmm. because Mona obviously knows what's going on. She's roped in, she or she is directly involved with this like weird, insane surveillance machine. Yeah. This like large organizational surveillance machine. So Allie is the person who's like, what is going on? I have to be detective Allie and use my skills as someone who manipulated people on, and was on the run to untangle these other people's secrets. And that is a really interesting position to put her in. And I always felt like the show did her a disservice by not really figuring out who she was, mm-hmm. what the point of her whole journey was going to be. Right. And this show seems like a really exciting vehicle to show that. Yeah. Um, do you want to, uh, talk a little bit more about our, our trip to the set? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's, it might be anticlimactic to listen to, but it was, I think it was exciting to go and see everything happen, especially so late in the season. Like they were so, they were so close to being done with filming everything. Um, and just, I mean, they were pretty, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty much kept under wrap. So it's not like we showed up and we're like, oh, wow, oh, look at all those things. I mean, we, f- we found out, um, there are things we can talk about because they're revealed. Like the fact that Allison and Emily aren't together anymore. Right. Right. Like yeah. we learned that and we're like, Oh, okay, cool. Whoa. Cause <laughs> yeah, we didn't know, you know, how is, how is this show going to move on when you have these two characters who are in like this, you know, yeah. serious relationship. That was my first thought. Like really that, 
as, as soon as it, it was made clear that Allison was like moving across the country to teach at the school, my first thought was like, well, then what about this whole, I mean, remember when we made such a big deal out of their relationship? It was a big deal, but basically that like their relationship was the direct result of, um, uh, of, of a violation of, right. of Emily's right. eggs being stolen and implanted into, uh, into Allison. And that like th- that those kids are their are literally their kids uh like that's such a huge thing and th- and that 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 whole relationship that like culmination of that show of the, those two characters arcs is now like you have to find a way to get over that right well yeah it's really it's really bold of the show to say okay we're going to reject. We did that shipping that you wanted mm. and now we're going to move on because right. you know, maybe that wasn't the best idea. Right. So, uh, yeah, we got to spend a few hours, uh, in Clackamas, Oregon. Um, and, uh, uh, we, we went, uh, we went and saw, we saw Allison's house, um, which is where she first meets Mona. Uh, we saw what we saw each of the perfectionists rooms, yeah, it was a it was a beautiful set. And, it really was. And they were saying, you know, there is a there is more of a budget, and they were able to build out a lot more. And you know, we were really impressed just going through these rooms. And um, I haven't uh, I I used to work for Access Hollywood, and so I was on that set on the NBC lot. And you know, that's just like a big blue screen, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just like a big room and a, a, a podium and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was like, Oh wow, this is like a real television show set. And it was exciting to me as someone who has spent a lot of time, uh, doing music stuff and, uh, doing like TV junkets and things that are very like, uh, professional sort of sitting in a box kind of situations. It was exciting to actually get to see people making TV and be mm-hmm. like, Oh, you're going to do all these takes and you have all these camera angles. And it's literally just like these seconds, these few seconds that are all getting done over and over and are stitched together into like this 45 minute thing. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. It, it really struck me that, you know, we're here spending time on our podcast, thinking about like the themes and the scripts and the what's going on over like dozens of hours of show, right. Over the course of the season. And here they are making this and it's every single minute. Every single like 20 second, 30 second period of this thing is like its own little piece of work. Right. It's, it's crazy because like it's, it's really funny to bring that up because you're right. Because it's like when you're, when you're working on this thing day by day and you have, um, uh, you have budget to consider, you have people's time. Like these are people's jobs. And I think that's something that we often forget is that like for a lot of people, a lot of the things that we bring up aren't even remotely thought of because this is their job and this is what they do in order to pay bills and support their families. And they have a certain amount of uh, shots per day and they get those shots done as best as they can. And then they move on. And it's like when you, when you, when you atomize something that, that much, it's hard to look at the big picture and say like, well, this, you know, maybe there's a little bit of continuity problems there, or there's a little bit of logic problems there. Cause it's just like, for most people working on it, they're just like, what are you, what are you fucking talking about? Like, this is as, as if we can take a story from point A to point B, that's a success. Well, and that's on any, you know, that's on any show. Right. Exactly. And yeah, it just made me really appreciative of the, 
the details and the acting and just the, you know, just so there's so many moving parts that go into it. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, you know that going to a movie or watching a show or whatever it is, but actually getting to see that in action um, was and not having to sort of thinking, think about it and like, how do I turn this into like a journalism narrative, but just being able to yeah. look around and appreciate it was, was really great. And I'm glad we got to have that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we got to, uh, watch, yeah, we got to watch a few scenes. Uh, one was, uh, so, and we got to meet everybody. We got to meet everybody except for Allison, Sasha. Uh, we got to meet Janelle and Sophia Carson who plays Ava. Right. Sydney Park, who plays uh, Caitlin, and uh, who's the guy who plays Dylan? What's his name? Um, I think his name is oh, Eli, Eli Brown. Uh, and then we got to meet a character who we can't reveal. We cannot. We cannot. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. We'll have interesting things to say uh, about that when the time comes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then we got to watch a scene with Mona, uh, and we got to watch a scene with... Uh, with Dylan and his boyfriend, uh, and also with uh, Kelly Rutherford, uh, Mrs. Hotchkiss. Yeah, who is who is great. Yeah, which to 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 find out in the pilot that her freaking son died, and then as far as she's concerned, both of her kids are dead. Right. Like yeah, that's she, that did not seem like that when we saw that scene. <laughs> no, that's that's true. Yeah, that I mean that puts her in a. I, I'm very interested, you know, with one of the things we talked about with PLL was always like, is there a broader plot behind the scenes here? Are there forces we don't know about? What's the motive? What's really going on here? Mm -hmm. You know, is this really just some lone wolf? And in this, by the way, before I forget, we met Marlene too, which was, we did. We met Marlene. Yes. And she showed us, Oh, and we got to see the, we got to see the commercial, the, the preview commercial before it aired. Yes. She showed us to us on our phone. Yeah. So everyone, yeah, everyone was super nice. And, uh, you know, there goes any journalistic integrity we have <laughs> doing this podcast. We're still going to be, we're serious critics. We have our knives out. Um, but I, you know, I, it was the set visit was great and I really enjoyed this episode and I'm excited to see where, yes. it, where it goes. And especially just the feeling that it's going to get into these characters and they're going to be serious, but it does feel a little bit more self-aware and a little bit more willing to have fun with what it's doing and treat it as like, um, you know, I don't listen to any of these like murder podcasts, but just the, the idea, the vibe I get from something like my favorite murder is that it's like, Ooh, murder. Mm -hmm. And that's what this show feels like, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, uh... I just I I think that when 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 the show started and you know granted it's the pilot so sometimes um, the pilot is different from the rest of the show uh, although I don't I mean I don't know I feel like in the new landscape of TV um, the the dreamscape of television that uh, we that like things are more planned out so that like I remember like watching like the pilot of the X Files in 1993 or 94 whenever it came out. And like it's almost like a different show. Or sometimes you'd watch these like old pilots, and they're like like different shows with like different vo- like you watch pilots of ca- cartoon shows, and they're like different voices of right. the characters. And, right. Yeah. You know. Some actor has been switched out or whatever it is. Yeah, but like I don't. Maybe that's not the case anymore. But um, as soon as the show started, I was just like, yes, like we're fucking back, baby. We're right. doing the shit. Right. We're back in the PLL <laughs> Um Something that 
this show did differently uh, was, first of all, there is a lot more sex immediately, um, but more gay Bone male sex. Town. Yes. Which is yes. great to see because we didn't really have that in PLL. It was about, um, you know, the LGBT quotient was mostly initially uh, Emily's relationships and we didn't have gay male figures on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great to see that uh, with Dylan and also with Nolan who ends up being bi. Hell yeah. That was awesome. Welcome to Portland, Oregon, baby. <laughs> yes. Bone Town, USA. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was great. And and it was so, and it wasn't like, it wasn't forced or anything. It was just a, I mean, it really felt like a college kid who was just, he's just like, I mean, they, they established pretty quickly that like, uh, Nolan is a very sexual character that he's obviously like, you know, he's like this 20 year old who's had like sex with friggin' everybody. Um, but, and willing to use that for manipulation, right. like not, he's not just having, he's not just out here to have fun, but he's doing this in order to, uh, create, um, power over someone or, you know, use it against some other third party and so on. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and right. And it's just, it doesn't feel like, um, and you know, this isn't, this isn't, uh, a criticism of Pretty Little Liars, but it did, when, when, when it was revealed that Emily was gay, it was such a huge plot point. Um, and, it, and it's nice to watch a show where there is a character who is gay and it's not, it's not, I mean, like it, it's, it, it matters that, that Nolan, uh, has sex with both men and women, but it's the fact that like, Dylan is gay is not exploited for any sort of like plot purposes whatsoever. And it's refreshing to be able to watch a TV show where um, it's just accepted and it's, it's, it's not dwelled upon. It's not uh, exploited for any sort of um, uh, uh, like any sort of like huge dramatic beat. It's just a character who is this person and I mean, I'm sure that like the relationship that uh, Dylan has with his boyfriend is going to, I mean, we, we saw a scene with them. So like it's, it's a relationship that obviously is a through line to the show in some ways, but um, it didn't feel, it didn't feel used for dramatic purposes in the ways that, that homosexual relationships are still used. No, it felt very normalized. And, you know, again, this is a show coming from the audience of Pretty Little Liars, uh, a show that is going to be directed presumably primarily toward young women, right? So presenting this to them as something that they would be interested in watching, you know, these hot guys. Right. And even, I mean, even just taking a step back and and thinking of like, this show is a big deal for Freeform. Right. Um, I mean, I don't think it's it's to reveal anything big to say that like it was made clear to us the show has a big budget and it has big budget because Pretty Little Liars was such a huge hit for Freeform, and they have the same stakes going on with this TV show. And honestly, like it's probably going to succeed. A lot of people are very excited for this TV show. Um, but Freeform used to be ABC Family. The fact and which which ABC Family was a pretty I mean, not explicitly, but pretty clearly, like, Christian family. Like, family uh, values. Yeah, I mean, it's... Disney. It's, it's ABC of, Disney, yeah. Right. 
But like the fact that Freeform has shifted to get rid of those sort of explicitly Christian connotations and that their most popular TV show or a, 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 a property that they hang a lot of um, a clout on is, is this TV show, which is very much about normalizing all kinds of relationships and accept, being accepting of all types of different people. I mean, the main characters are like, it's, it's not that huge of a deal, but the main characters are all ethnic, ethnically diverse. Like, it's not a super white TV show. Right. Um, it's great. It's great that that's, that's like, if you take a step back away from, like, the the minutia of the drama and just look at what this show is on this network and what this network is now, I think it's great. It, it, it feels like a positive step forward. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, to make the connection back to Gossip Girl, I mean, this was a show that was at the time, which was not that long ago, um, but was sort of put forth as like, ah, this is this very dangerous show. These characters, young characters are having like sexy time and doing risky behavior or whatever. And, you know, of course it sort of infamously used those, some of those quotes uh, from the critics in the ad campaign for, you know, season two or three and right. being like, yeah, we're that show. And mm -hmm. this show is basically showing you all the same things in the pilot, but not making that, you know, this is like a show about fun murder and mystery, mm -hmm. but it just also has, you know, lots of sexy time. And it's sort of just like, yeah, we're just going to do this and it's fine. I think the only thing that, that, uh, I mean, not to fully climb aboard the perfectionist train, uh, but I think the one thing that I really hope that it, that it really pursues is, is this idea of class. Cause that's kind of what's, what's missing from it. And I think that, um, it feels a bit like a blind spot and I hope that they, I think cause there's some real rich drama that could be mined from the class differences. Well, and I think you see it in, in the relationship between, uh, Nolan and Ava where Nolan says, you know, basically I'm part of this perfect family and I have to live up to the expectations of my mom. And whereas Ava, you know, her, her dad, is a criminal who embezzled money and ran off, left her a friggin' bag of money. Yeah. Left, left her a bag of money. And an I'm sorry note, um, but she wants to do it herself and be mm -hmm. self-made. Right. Yeah. And Nolan says, you know, I really admire that. And it's like this authentic moment from a character who, uh, is concocting a web of lies. And so, yeah, I think the expectations of, of parents and the expectations that come with privilege, um, versus how you're going to do it on your own, those are those are some interesting ideas that should play out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, the, so the one touch that I just super loved in the episode that I just yeah. want to bring up again Please. is Mona talking to the mirrors because <laughs> we know, you know, Mona's mental health is an unstable, mm -hmm. uh, an, an ever shifting thing. And mm -hmm. it's never one of the things about PLL is I don't think it, a lot of the things that we were trying to find out is it what is happening firmly? What was this? What were we supposed to learn from this moment? And um, just talking to Norman about this, at, we had a, a dinner with uh, with him and and Larry, the director of photography, uh, a few months ago as well, which is how we got to know him outside of this uh, the internet. You know, I asked him some questions about plot and narrative, and he was like, you know, we're just kind of doing our thing. <laughs> and, uh, it, it wasn't necessarily that there was like a big sort of binder of what was going to happen to all these characters. Right? right. So I think some of the things that we think we know about Mona or wanted to know 
have always been sort of foggy. Mm-hmm. And I think her mental health goes in with that. Like mm-hmm. how much she is in control or is not in control. And so this show, this episode again, like really played with that showing her talking to the mirror and it's like, what's going on with Mona. And then of course it's, you know, she's talking to the, the, uh, giant, uh, surveillance syndicate under the ground or whatever. <laughs> right? But that was like a really delightful way to return us to the Mona character and to create uncertainty about the Mona character. And we were talking about this the whole show. Like, yeah. is she talking to herself or is she talking to somebody? Yeah. Because it could go either way. I, I mean, and it's fascinating. Course, if she I'm, is I'm talking almost, to her. Yeah. I'm yeah. bummed that they give it away and that's right. the reveal. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, this was, this was very interesting <laughs> for the previous. Because what if she is just talking to herself? Right. The whole time. right. Like it's when she setup. first, when she, like in the very first scene, uh, it's almost jarring when she talks into the mirror because it's just like, holy shit, did, did Mona just fucking talk to herself? Right. Like, is she just, like, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 I, I like this idea um, to bring up more themes that hopefully could be like maybe uh, uh, extrapolated on more throughout the, the series, but the idea of control, like how much control do these people have? Now, you could, I mean, if you really want to go deeper in this, think about, I mean, we both had uh, college experiences. I don't know who's listening to this, if you've had a college experience or not. But one of the, for me, when I left home, uh, which I, I moved four and a half hours away, I, I grew up in Detroit and, um, the, sorry, the Detroit area and moved to Chicago for school. Like I think one of the big things that I learned about myself and about adulthood is, is is uh, what what I have control over and what I don't, and I think that's something that college students learn a lot about, which is this idea of control and like what can you control in your life. Um, and I think that goes in with you know sort of the the obvious intention of or the the telegraphed intention of the show, which is like perfectionism living up to this like the the living up to these expectations and um being you know reaching this level of success or this level of whatever and so what are you and the pressure around that right so i think the idea of pressure um the i i make i come back to this conversation in the woods where all these characters are like whoa what if we did a murder and you're supposed to believe what if we just had a heart attack you're supposed to, you know, we've just met these characters and you're, you're supposed to believe like they're under a lot of pressure. They're under a lot of strain. Any of them could crack. And I don't know if that scene was, I don't know if I wanted to come along that on that journey with the characters in that scene, you know, probably because we've just met them. Well, yeah, because also because the, the, the things that they are so threatened by that Nolan has, which, um, you know, we've already talked about, uh, uh, what Nolan has on uh, Dylan, which is that they they had this night together. Um, Nolan also uh, uh, Ava's pissed at Nolan because uh, Nolan cheated on her. Um, although we find out that that was part of the plan to break up with Ava. Uh, also, uh, Nolan has dirt on um, Caitlin's uh, mom, who apparently is a woman who has a who has an open relationship with a woman and she's a u.s senator and she's going to run for president because allison brings up to her pretty casually oh the plan is your mom's gonna run for president you're going to take her a senate seat and caitlin's response is totally straight faced yeah that's the plan yeah 
And it's just like, holy fucking shit. Like, how old are you? Like, 19 years old? Like, and, and that's that's your plan right, right now? Right, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just going to graduate college and go straight to the U.S. But I think that, like, they're, yeah, like, the idea of pressure and strain and, yeah, and, like, that, that scene in the woods, it's like, we're supposed to believe that they're, like, so delusional because of the stress that they're under that they're totally willing to accept that it, that murder is legitimate when this guy has like pick bad pictures of your mom or something. But uh, I I think it's the show's going to have to make us, you know, it's a lot easier to communicate fear and claustrophobia and uh, surveillance. And the, you know, these sort of classic horror movie tropes that PLL is so good at and communicating pressure Mm -hmm. is a, is a a new thing that the show needs to do. I know. Right. It's, it's it's hard because it's just like, it's it's going to take time. We have to live with these characters more. And I don't like, I don't really want to, like, I'm not really ready to see a scene where a, a detective uh, interrogates Ava and is like, you found your boyfriend uh, having sex with another woman, so you wanted him dead, didn't you? Like, that just, like, that just feels like manufactured drama. I want this to, I want to feel like, I, I like, like, I want to believe in these motives for death. Right. That they, like, legitimately have a good reason and maybe it's just like I'm so far removed from that perspective. But I also think there's like something to be said about the idea of, a, of, of our, our, our popular ideas of perfectionism. And that like when we look at a character like Mona, we in order to in order to enjoy the character of Mona, we have to initially believe that Mona is thinking like 10 steps ahead. Right. And, and which is a factor of control. And so therefore, um, when it's revealed that Mona is maybe like a, unstable and that she hasn't thought 10 steps ahead, it's fascinating because we see this like, because we were fooled by this idea of, of, of this like superhuman that she would be. And she's just like, she's also, she just turns out to be just a smart human being. These dynamics uh, and these juxtapositions between our expectations of what that character could be and what the her- character actually is because they're a human being are fascinating and I want to see that in these new perfectionists. I want I want to feel that juxtaposition, and we're not quite there yet. Right, right. Yeah, I think of the new ones. Um, Ava seems like perhaps the most interesting mm-hmm. of the characters, but you know we need to spend more time with them. And so much of this episode was just like feeling the warm fuzzies of being reunited with these characters we like and with these sort of classic PLL shots and being like, oh yes, Pretty Little Liars, we like this show. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited to dig into the show more and I mean it almost the sort of heavy handedness of the everything's pressure, there's so much pressure was sort of um you don't really have to worry about that when you have this wild like X Files, like men in black kind of ending. Right. You know, where you're like, Oh, here's this gigantic screen and it's this is like a real crazy situation. Right. So it's almost like what why do we even care about these characters? What is going on with this giant thing so i'm you know i'm excited and what's the about point it. of it like what is the motivation yeah. behind this right is so, this like a test case for some sort of like grander program yeah what what is it and so it leaves a lot of questions and i'm excited to sh- see how the show tries to weigh these or tries to balance these ideas and uh you know it may or may not live up to our sort of fantasy ideas about how well it will do that but i you know i'm really excited about it and i'm excited to be back here every week I, this, I, I, I wish the best channel. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I wish we'll, the best of this TV show. Yeah. We'll see how, well, you know, we'll come back in, in a couple months from now and 
and we can return. We, you, you, the listener, uh, will see how our feelings evolve about this show. But I'm, I'm very hopeful. I mean, we're, we're we got a new mystery. We have a, a, a rich, dead, attractive person, uh, and we got to find out who killed them. We have a hacker in the woods. We have a woods. Yeah. Not only is this. Not only is uh, Nolan's sister a computer genius, but it turns out Ava might actually be a computer genius. Yeah, she's, she's like, she talks about writing I wrote, I wrote the script, yeah. yeah. And like, okay. Writing, <laughs> writing some code, good for her. Uh, so, you know, um, I, I like this idea that maybe like the the A, cold, uh, well, I don't, know, I don't know if you'd say a cold close as opposed to a cold open, but like, you know, the A would always end every PLL episode with some sort of like first person a shot of them doing something ominous right. and, and, and foreshadowing. And like maybe the, the a scenes in the perfectionists are now going to be like this, like underground yeah. surveillance bunker. Yeah. <laughs> scenes from the government lab <laughs> scenes from the NSA headquarters. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I'm really, you know, I wish we had like four more episodes to watch so we could really get into it and see like, what is this show going to be? Holy shit. We should, uh, we should lobby for Oliver Stone to direct one of these episodes. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, especially Director Snowden. It's it's going to be very interesting to see where it takes those themes because, you know, we we've always felt like the show had kind of an interesting, surreal, almost like magical realism grasp of technology mm-hmm. and what it wanted to say about, uh, you know, there's the whole episode with like Charlotte's secret lair where it's like this wild, like gigantic iPad screen situation. And, you know, it's, we're still in that sort of weird, unreal, uh, PLL universe where we're not in the real world, even though it's Portland, they don't ever say Portland. Right. Like you see the Saint, the shot of the St. John's bridge, but we're not in Portland. We're in Oregon. So we're in like the PLL version of Oregon. So seeing like what weird technology the show comes up with is going to be interesting as well, because we know it's not uh, limited to our sort of normal universes, normal worlds uh, expectations. And we have a YouTube star who we never, ever see on her, on her phone ever. Right. You know, right. It's like, but YouTube exists. Right. Which is interesting yeah. because we've, you know, of course, PLL uh, kind of tiptoed around the idea of like Instagram. What are, yeah. What are social networks going to be like in the PLL universe? So now we mm. know YouTube exists. Yeah, great. You, yeah, make, you, you, make a, you make a living off of it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, yeah. You certainly can if you do your makeup tutorials and you pay USC $500,000. <sighs> God bless. Um, how much... Uh, are we are we done are we done talking about I, this? Now? I think we've I think, I think we've said <laughs> enough. Uh, thank you for being back on this podcast journey with us, and we're going to recap every episode. Oh yeah, we'll fuck keep, yeah, we'll keep going, and yeah, welcome to season two of Pretty Little Grown Men, the the Podfectionist, the Podfectionist. Uh, if you uh, so, um, we'll be more uh, obligatory about our asks for um, fandom and finding followers. We don't know how many subscribers we've retained. Um, I'm sure we can get those those stats uh, some point in the near future if we really wanted to. Yeah, we'll find out after this episode goes up. But we are on Twitter at PLGM Podcast. Uh, it'd be great if you followed us there. Uh, that's a good place to just, I don't know see our day-to-day stuff and know when we're recording and i don't know we'll post pictures or something 
We don't. We only have like 200 followers, so it's not like a, a big hub for activity or anything. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. We're, you know, this show, we're going to see if people watch this show and we'll see if people want to listen to our podcast. And if you're here already, we hope this has been an entertaining and very cleanly recorded uh, hour 15 for you. Uh, do you want to plug anything, Dave? Uh, no, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to be doing this again. This is super fun. Yeah, hell yeah. I love doing these pods and getting in, getting super deep into these into the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, because I have embarked on a new career as a web developer and uh, systems engineer, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I do now for work instead of writing about like indie rock bands. So uh, it's exciting for me to get to do critical things mm-hmm. again. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe I'll write more about this. Uh, we 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 at Paste uh, Magazine, which is where I am, I'm in a movies editor. Uh, we have we have a TV section, and they just uh, put up a review of this uh, premiere episode, and they liked it. the the uh, The writer, her name is Alexis Gunderson, and uh, I've actually talked to her about maybe being on our podcast. So, uh, crossover. Yeah, sir. Well, yeah. I mean, she's she's uh, she is she has written extensively on Paste about Pretty Little Liars. She's a huge uh, Mona Vanderwalt fan, so I'm sure she want to come on and and talk to us. Um, and uh, we're in the in the midst of applying for press access, so we might get these episodes beforehand, uh, so that we can have these episodes up as soon as as soon as you the watch moment, them. The moment the show <laughs> is over, we will be ready. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, so we'll, so hopefully we'll have some more guests. Uh, maybe we'll actually talk to people who have worked on the show and have them speak on our podcast. They know us now. Yeah, they they're aware of us. Gonna, they need to share this podcast on their social. We're gonna stop denying the existence of the other dude, Pretty Little Liars podcast. What's that? Uh, bros, oh, what's their name? Bros, bros like. Bros, bros watch PLL2. Bros, yeah, that's right. They like they watch yeah. PLL2. They're much more. I mean, it's, we're struggling to remember their name, but they're much more popular than we are. It's true. It's true. <laughs> we're just you know we're just a couple of guys out here in humble Portland, Oregon, doing our little our little podcast. I mean, it's really it's it's kind of it's kind of fate that they are now filming this TV show yes. in the place where we live. They came to us. <laughs> we have to do this pod. That's why we had to make it come. Which, back. Uh, speaking of, uh, I don't know if it's still going on. I think it might be. Um, there is a contest right now on Instagram through Travel Portland, which is a uh, great tourism agency, uh, government agency, um, uh, that are very much about promoting tourism for, for Portland. They have a a sweepstakes going on where you can uh, visit Portland uh, through. Um, it's it's a promotion through the perfectionists. Uh, and if you enter and you win and you know who we are, we'll fucking have dinner with you or something. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, Please. seriously. Perfectionists, uh, viewers, come hang out with also, us. Also, Travel Portland, if you want to advertise with us, we we, <laughs> yes. we love Portland. We we, we live here. We, we love do. it. We do. We need to get that <laughs> Travel Portland money. All right, folks. We're, we're going to see you next week, and uh, let us know on Twitter what you thought about the episode. We're really excited to hear everybody's opinions and uh, get going on this new show. I have one more question for you, Dave. Okay. How many moms make a right? Two. <laughs> two, <laughs> mom, don't, two, moms, don't. two moms don't make a right. Maybe three. Three maybe, moms. Maybe four moms trapped in a basement. <laughs> <laughs> that's how many moms it takes to make a right. Uh, oh, man. That's a great. End it. <laughs>
Russ is dead.